I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. How's it going, people? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to say that alongside me uh, from Football's 12th Man podcast, from AFTV, uh, from all over the Arsenal world, really, it's uh, Mr. Dan Potts. Dan, great to have you back on here, mate. It's been a long time. Yeah, man. Thank you, bro. Um, it's always a always a pleasure talking to you, man, because we don't always agree. And it's nice to have people with different <laughs> opinions, you know what I'm saying? So I'm looking forward to talking to you about what you thought, or what you have thought of, not just uh, the West Ham one, but Liverpool as well, man, because it ain't been the best a couple of weeks. It's a, no. well, best week, I suppose. Seven days, um, if you if you think about it. Um, Sunday to Sunday, it's, it's been tough, man, to take. But um, maybe not all doom and gloom like some gooners are saying, though, man. Let's see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I need to correct myself. I said it's been a while. We did a show, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, me, you and Tom on here, um, which we hadn't done in ages, but a sort of one-on-one chat like this uh, between me and you, it's been a long time and uh, we Mm. used to do them a lot more regularly. So we need to kind of get back on that path, I think. Um, Look, I'll start with your thoughts on on sort of Sunday. Um, We are going to talk William Saliba on this show. Uh, We are going to talk about the latest reports with regards to his fitness uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the whole mascot gate thing that people have been banging on about all bloody day. I feel like we have to address it just because of how yeah. much traction it's got. And we'll be taking some thoughts and questions uh, as well from the live chat, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, just a quick plug as well for yesterday's show. Adrian Clark joined me on the program to look back at uh, the West Ham game to discuss the title race, et cetera, et cetera. And as always, Adrian was great value. So uh, do check that out if you haven't done so already. But um, West Ham, Dan, uh, I came away from the London Stadium, I have to say, feeling really dejected. Mm. As the time has passed and I've processed a little bit more what happened, I feel a little bit better about it. It's not great, not good, but a little bit better about it. What's your kind of your takeaway from what happened at the London Stadium the other day? Is there a complacency issue at Arsenal? What's the problem at the minute? Yeah, I think arrogance, complacency and in-game management were the issues. I think a little bit of dose of all three things has resulted in two draws at Anfield and uh, the London Stadium. And it's mad, Harry, because when you're not going for a title, I probably wouldn't sit there and say they were shocking results because anyone can draw at those two grounds. It's just a hard place to go in both of those occasions. I think the way that Liverpool and West Ham are playing makes it a lot easier uh, on paper this season. Uh, and also we're going for a title. But I said this on my channel. I knew we were going to do something that day, mate, because everything went wrong for me, man. I went out for dinner on Saturday and I got food poisoning. And I was literally oh, chundering till like 4 a.m. So I got no sleep. And my mate who'd crashed my round mine, I had to drop him off at his car because his permit was going to run out for his fine. So I was like, oh, man, I'm going to feel terrible if like I, I get him a fine because I can't drop him off. And he woke up late. So he's like, look, man, I know you've been sick, but I need you to drop me in my car. So like, oh, this is not a good day. <clears throat> anyway, so I didn't take a chunk of keys out with me. I took my door key off of the chunk. So then I take my car keys out and I lock myself out my house. Oh, so I'm sitting there God. chundering in just a hoodie and trackies like I feel crap. So I ring my dad up. who's like half hour away because he's the only other person who's got the key. And he's like, look, you're not going to the, because I was going to go AFTV to watch it. He said, because um, I didn't have a ticket this game. 
I'm not going to lie, man. I could have got one, but I hate that stadium. It's awful. Um, so I was like, I ain't going to bother with this one. I'll just watch this one with the guys. Um, so he said, look, if you're sick, obviously you're not going in. I'll watch it with you. I said, Dad, we ain't winning. He goes, mate, we'll win. Don't worry. I said, I trust, trust me now. <laughs> we are not winning this game. So we went 2-0 up and I thought, oh, thank God. I said, it's just been a bad night and a bad morning. I'm feeling a bit better now. I'm a bit washed out, a bit drained, but we'll be all right. Um, and 2-0 up, mate, we were cruising yet again. Same old story at Anfield. Couldn't kill the game off. And I wonder if that is because we couldn't take our chances or if it's because we got a bit arrogant. And I think it's the latter, if I'm honest with you. Um, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Thomas Party does not keep it simple. He's trying to flick it over man's head. Yeah, it might have been a handball, but really, like that's not that's not it doesn't matter to me. Um, Gabriel goes sliding in. Um, I thought he'd thought he scored a goal. He was celebrating on his knees, weren't he? Knee sliding. Um, it is embarrassing, really. And then he's trying to pull out, mate. He, listen, you've gone, you've committed. You can't pull out now. Blatant penalty. Everyone's saying he dived. Yeah, he probably made the most out of it. But that got him back into the game. And people were talking about different reasons as to why Liverpool got back into the game with the crowd. But that does get the crowd up now. At the same time, we should have the mentality and the know-how that if crowds are loud, that's part of football. Yeah, you've got to get through it. But we just give them the chance to get back into the game. And then we couldn't kill the game off by a Bukayi Saka penalty. And by the way, the racial abuse this guy's received yet again is an absolute disgrace. Um, but we can't put it away. And then we allow them to go up the other end and score. And I watched Monday Night Football last night and I thought Jamie Carragher was spot on. Absolutely spot on. Look how cocky and arrogant Arsenal are. And he shows evidence of it. And we are. We just become scatty. We become, we lose our heads because we just got arrogant, let him into the game and thought, oh no, panic mode. And we start smashing the ball up. I think Gabriel clears it and then they just smash it back in. And then Bowen's there and it's in. Um, really poor, man. And then I have to call it out. And it's like, it's like a criminal offence if you do this now. Um <laughs> <laughs> I have to I have to call out the manager for some of the substitutions again, Harry. I'm getting confused. Um I once I keep trying to stick up for him, but saying he ain't really got much to do on the bench. But if you ain't got much to do, like don't don't do what you've been doing, which has just been bizarre. No one can understand. Not so much who he's bringing on, who he's taking off. Um how Saka's played 180 minutes is beyond me. He doesn't look, he looks leggy, he looks exhausted. And I suppose that's the biggest worry for me now is that they played midweek, not us, and we look the leggy team. Kai Saka just weren't working for him. You are allowed to take him off. You know, he's not going to cry. He's a, he's a man. Take the guy off, bring on Trossard. Don't take Jesus off when you need to score a goal. I probably wouldn't have taken off Erdegaard, although I thought he was poor in part because um, he can create something. Um, brought Kieran Tierney off as well for Fabio Vieira. I bet. That's a look, another Lokonga, by the way. He needs to get the hell out on loan. That guy's not good enough, Fiera. Sorry, man. He ain't no, he looks I mean, awful is an understatement at the moment. That guy. He just nah, not for me. Smith Rowe, apparently he's on crutches still. Um, it's just a hologram. Because <laughs> he does he's not allowed to come on anymore, it seems. Um, so there's a lot of things, man, that will very scratch your head moments. And we then have nobody to create, nobody to uh put the ball in the back of the net like Jesus can and nobody to cross the ball like Kieran Tierney can. Um, so we ain't scoring. It's done. The substitutes killed the game um, and it was clear for that. Um, so a little bit like Anfield, a little bit like Old Trafford, he's bringing on players because he feels he has to, but they're all drop-offs. Like you don't have to make subs if you don't feel like it's going to actually 
you know, uh, influence the game. Mm. So apart from Trossard, who I think does deserve to be getting minutes, um, I'm not so sure. And then he brought Eddie on with about two kicks of the game left. I thought, just don't bother. What is the point of that? Like, what actually is the point of that? So, yeah, very frustrating. But then when you question that, then everyone says, get off the manager. He's a genius and he's the reason we're in a title race. So you're not allowed to, to criticise with his fan base, it seems. It's weird. Like, yes, you can. And you can criticise Saka for having a poor game. Like, it's not actually an offence. It's just yeah, like, I, up more, really. I, I get what you mean. I, I think what people get annoyed by and, and what I get irritated by is not people highlighting areas in the game in which, you know, we needed to do better or questioning substitutions. I think it's the language that some people use when they're doing it. I think some people don't have the ability, I guess, to to put their point across in a respectful way. And it goes very quickly from, you know, we're going to win the Premier League to this manager's this and this player's that. And and that, that's what I think people get irritated by. And I think the the comments that are kind of in between, so the comments that are sort of valid like yours and various others that are not said in that way, I think they get lost in between because people go into defence mode. They go, well, hold on a minute. We've been bloody brilliant this season. Why are people slagging off the team? And they go in, and, and I'm guilty of this. I do this as well. You go into like defence mode. You're not actually listening to what that person is saying. Instead, you're just uh, sort but it's of not slagging off the team, the club. is it? It's questioning. No. No, it's questioning. Yeah, it's I mean, like, could he have done that better? Shut hmm. up, get on with the game. He's a genius. Don't even talk bad about him. Oh, I only said, could he do something better? No, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not a manager. You don't get earn all this money, all this stuff. And I think, are you for real? Like, I'm giving an opinion about how he might have done better with the game. Like he brought Jorginho on. That's what we needed at Anfield, for me. Like, See, not I, at West Ham. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I I think at Anfield, there was always the risk of the game becoming really, or the game did become really transitional in the end sort of one end to the other, one end to the other. And I just think that... Pressure resistant game, though, Harry. He's like, he's like the he only pressure resistant we got. He and is they were pressure over resistant. Us, but I think what he also does, and where I worry about Jorginho, is that he gets sucked into challenges that he's not going to win. He gets attracted to balls in midfield that he doesn't have the athleticism to get to. And often the game can bypass him and he becomes uh, a non-figure. And that was my worry with Jorginho. I actually thought Jorginho coming on at West Ham was the right thing. Um, that was the one substitution that Mikel made that I actually agreed with at, at that point because I, I looked at Thomas Partey, I looked at the mistake he made in the first half um, and I think he never recovered after that. He was just all over the shop from the minute that occurred. He never really got past it and never really got over it. And so actually I thought when Jorginho came on, at least we started to control possession a bit more. Didn't break him down, didn't ever really look like scoring the winner if we're being honest. But yeah. at least he gave us that bit of, of control in possession. Yeah, no, I don't I don't disagree mm. that he come on against West Ham, but I felt like we needed that at Liverpool. And I, I get why you why you disagree with that. But yeah, I just felt like the subs were a bit odd. Um and a few people sort of said that straight away. And I thought, are they being harsh? Like some of the chat are thinking it's harsh. And I thought that to start with. I thought maybe the players are more to blame. But actually I think the players have made mistakes. What's the manager gonna do about it to try and win the game? And I didn't see enough of it, if I'm honest with you. Um, and the Smith-Rowe thing worries me, Harry. I can't lie to you, mate. If he's behind Nelson and Vieira now as well as Martinelli, you know, Lee Judges reckons he's going to get sold in the summer along with Kieran Tierney. And maybe we do have to get, you know, used to the fact that we are in the next couple of years, if we're going the way that we want it, we are going to get rid of players we like. It's just what happens. Man City have done it. But those are the two players that I would love to keep at Arsenal, if I'm honest with you, because I feel like they give unbelievable cover. 
But we haven't mm. seen it this season with Smith Rowe. Now, the only shining light, I believe, is that do you remember when he did this with Martinelli and everyone was crying for him to come on and he was trying yeah. to nurse him back into it in terms of his injury? I hope it's that because if it is ability and it is that you're now down the pecking order, then Smith Rowe might get unhappy and want to leave. So, um, yeah, frustrating for him. There's been a hard season for him, man. Yeah, it has. It has. Um, just to kind of wrap up on this segment, um, I, I slightly disagree with the, the arrogance point or the complacency point. I can't remember which exact word you used, but yeah, cockiness, cockiness. Yeah, I don't really think it's that. I just think it's um, switching off at key moments. I mean, sort of when I went back and watched the game again on, I think did I, I didn't watch it on Sunday night. I watched it on Monday morning, really early about six o'clock in the morning. That's that's what oh, happens when you're bro. a parent and you can't sleep and, <laughs> and you're sad. So I sat down and watched it. And what I sort of noticed was just bad decision-making all over the pitch. And it's funny because throughout the course of the season, if you ask me to name you our five most consistent players over the course of the season, three of my five would have been Thomas Partey, Bukayo Saka, mm-hmm. And Aaron Ramsdale. And I thought all of them made an error at the weekend. Every single one of them. Partey's decision to try and lift that over Declan Rice was madness. And I think if you put Thomas Partey in that position a hundred times, he doesn't make that decision again. I think that Bukayo Saka missing the penalty was an anomaly. You're not going to see that very often. He's been so reliable from the spot. And I actually think Aaron Ramsdale should have saved Jared Bowen's shot. So when you look at it that way, It's three errors on the day that have cost us. And they're errors that have come from players that don't normally make errors. And so you're kind of sitting there and you're going, maybe it's just not our day. I I don't want to say it's arrogance and complacency or or cockiness, because I think that's doing the team a bit of a disservice, given that we haven't seen any signs of that this season up until this point. So I'm, I'm reluctant to go down that route, but I get why you'd say it. I get why Jamie Carragher said it. I think there was an element of Arsenal sort of dropping off in terms of their level. I, think the but two why goals that was, I don't, I don't think Ramsdale mm. and Saka have, have been cocky by missing a penalty and should have mm. got the save. But I do think that party and Gabriel have been, were a bit cocky. They say it might just been, they've made a mistake, but the way it looked, I'm like party don't normally try to flick it over man's head. Gabriel yeah. normally just goes back to the keeper. He don't try and get cocky with it. So for me, I thought like two nil, this is a cruise that quiet, that, you know, the atmosphere is dead. That stadium's quiet. Um, you know, roll on to Friday. You can't do that, man. You've got to kill the game off or fight till the 90th minute in every game. This is the Premier League. And, you know, West Ham, I didn't look at West Ham and think, whoa, they blew us away. Jeez, they were good. Yeah. But we just gifted them back into the game, man. It was it was a shame. I do want to just quickly, I know I said we move on from this and we will we'll, mm. we'll look ahead instead, but I do want to just quickly defend Gabriel a little bit because I feel like he's getting a bit of heat. And for me, you know, he's in that position to make that, rash challenge because Thomas Partey's put him in that position. I also think as well that Gabriel playing with Kieran Tierney next to him and with Rob Holding next to him is a problem. You know, he he's not able to play the same game that he's been playing all season with William Saliba to his right and Zinchenko to his left. He he doesn't feel like he can go out and support the left back in the way that he supports Zinchenko because he doesn't have that comfort of, of William Saliba next to him. And I think that's a big problem. I, you know, two yeah. of the back I mean, four were missing on Sunday. It, it is showed. a problem. It is yeah. a problem. And, and I also think you can say that for Ben White. He's not been the same with holding next to him, in my yeah. opinion. 
Um, I thought he was poor at Anfield and I put most of that down to the yellow card, but I didn't think he was amazing uh, for West Ham other than the first uh, nine minutes when he obviously crossed the ball for the goal. Other than that, um, I, I, I do agree with you. Listen, Holding's getting a hell of a lot of abuse, but actually, I, I didn't think he was that shambles of a player, actually. And I certainly didn't think Kieran Tierney deserved the criticism he's getting because he's now trying to play as a left midfielder in this stupid role that he does. Just play him as a left-back man. Do you know what I mean? He can't do the inverted thing. Just get him, let him play at his left-back role and then perhaps Gabriel won't be as bad. Um, uh, listen, it's, it's tough, man, because we see party with an error. Has that got anything to do with the fact that Saliba's not there? We see Holding come in. It's obviously not as good as Saliba. Ben White's been affected. Kieran Tierney, we've talked about. Gabriel, we've talked about. Sometimes a player can come out of a side that's so vital like Saliba and then everybody think everybody else around it just doesn't quite look up to their game. And it's amazing. Mm. I said a few weeks ago, the only way I can see Arsenal winning the league is if the first 11 stays fit. Yeah. And we're now missing Zinchenko and Saliba. And funnily enough, in the last couple of games, we've dropped points. So I just think it proves we're not quite there yet in terms of our squad depth, but we certainly are when it comes to our first 11. Uh, Daz Quint says, Kieran Tierney's not a problem. Rob Holding is. I think Kieran Tierney, yeah, maybe problem is not the right word, but he he changes the way we want to play because he doesn't play the role that Zinchenko plays in the same way. So it does change our build-up. It does Impact. Do you us. think it's a bit harsh, though, Harry? Like that people get on him because I don't think he's ever come and said, "Play me, I'm an inverted fullback now. Give me the chance." I think he's still learning this position that he's never played at Scotland or England, and all of a sudden, because he's now not an invert, everyone loved him last year when he wasn't an inverted left back. But now, because he's not an inverted left back, which every fullback now deserves to be, because Pep believes it, he's awful now. I need to get rid of him. I don't no, get I'm, this. I'm I, not I, saying I, he's awful, and I'm not saying we need to get rid of him. Hmm. I'm just simply no, saying you're I not. Think... Some people are though. Yeah, people are. Yeah, agreed. I think that the team's evolved tactically and he's just been left behind. It's a bit like the Aubameyang thing. You know, if you go back to when Aubameyang first come out of the side, people were like, well, you know, he's this and he's that. And, and I always used to say to people, it's not that he's become a shit player overnight. It's that we've changed the way we play and he's no longer Great the point. fit. And Kieran Tierney is no longer the fit. Clearly, Mikel Arteta wants to have someone at left back that plays that inverted role. And he does that on the left side because he's got Granite Xhaka there to protect and to help out, along with Gabriel sliding across. On the right side, he doesn't have a midfielder that will do that. He wants Odegaard further up the pitch. So if one side is going to have that sort of different sort of arrangement, it's going to be on the left side. And and we've seen that this season. Whereas in the past, you know, we saw Kirantini bombing on down the left and we'd see Tommy Asu last season at right back tuck inside and make it a back three at times. So we've just evolved as a team. And because we've evolved and things have changed, sometimes players just get lost in that. And it doesn't mean he's bad. It just means that he's not the perfect fit anymore. As for Rob Holding, I said a, a few shows ago, I, I didn't want to keep getting onto Rob Holding. He's there. He is what we've got at the moment. And that's that. And we've kind of got, got to just shut up and put up with it. Um, but I do think what you get with Rob Holding, and I'll, I'll make this point again, is that because he isn't as comfortable on the ball and because he doesn't have the recovery pace that William Saliba has, I think he sits slightly deeper. And what happens is that line in between the back line and the midfield line where Thomas Partey lost the ball is bigger. And if that gap was smaller at West Ham, and again, I'm not, not pointing fingers at Rob Holding for that goal. He's certainly not responsible for that goal. But if that gap between the two lines is smaller, then I think yeah. Gabriel gets out and engages quicker or William Saliba would have been there to engage quicker. Yeah. And that 
that situation doesn't happen because that player doesn't get into our box. But just that extra bit of distance between the midfield line and the defensive line for me is a problem. And you get that with Rob Holding because he doesn't have the recovery pace. So naturally he drops off a few yards. And I mean, how many times have you seen in the last few games where sort of Gabriel's got the ball at centre-back, at left centre-back, and normally he'd play, he'd carry it four or five strides up the pitch. He'd look to his right and he's got William Saliba alongside him and he plays that square pass and Arsenal start to build down the right. The amount of times I've seen Gabriel sort of waving at Rob Holding as if to say, come on with me. You know, you have to push up with me. You have to get alongside me. You can't drop off because mm. you can only press effectively if you do it as a unit. You can't have one doing it and one not doing it. It doesn't work like that. And I think we have seen some issues there. But yeah, I mean, with Rob holding it, it kind of is what it the is. The thing is, it? like, Crystal Palace in Leeds, he was okay. He was at home. He yeah. played well. Actually, he was more than okay. He was really good. Um, Anfield, I know we gave away the penalty, but a lot of people said it was harsh. And you can have a debate about whether you think it was or not. But um, Jota knows what he's doing and he sold him and he's got away mm. one there. Um as for this game, he wasn't at fault for either of the goals. He did get run around by Ben Rama and Antonio for parts of it. But actually, when you look at it, Clive from Arsenal Vision said something really key to me not too long ago after the Palace game, I think it was. And he said, when you see the team sheet, the opposition will go, Whoa, Rob Holding, target him. Yeah. Actually, that's what you want. Arsenal want them to do. They want them because Gabriel's a good sweeper. But if it's the other way around and they target Gabriel, holding in a great sweeper, so they'll probably get in. And that was what West Ham, I saw, do a lot more this time than I thought any of the other teams had done. And Antonio, to be fair, was giving both of them a bit of a run around. And that allowed some weaknesses to get into it. Now, luckily, they didn't actually score from either of them because one of them was a penalty that Gabriel gave away. And the other one was just a switch off, which was a clearance. And then Bowen found some space. And then everyone thought it was offside. And as you say, Ramsdale should have done better. But actually, that was the only time I saw what Clive was actually talking about, thinking, actually, they're starting to do that now. And Gabriel was a bit of a mess in parts. So, yeah, it's interesting to see that how it really is so so spot on. With I mean, Clive's brilliant, the way he reads the game, the way he sees it. Yeah. He breaks it down better than I ever could and, and anyone, better than everyone, anyone else I know. But um, I thought it was interesting. But, Harry, we need Saliba back, really. Do you know when Eddie come in and it was like, you've done great, you've done a great job, but we need Jesus now? I'm like that now. I need to see Saliba back in this side. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, we're going to take a very, very short pause. Uh, make sure you leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new as well. We're going to take a very short break and then we're going to talk William Saliba. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, live on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel, available wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, William Saliba, is he on his way back? Now, there were suggestions yesterday that William Saliba is a major doubt for the game at Manchester City. And I must admit, looking at the fact that he hasn't sort of resurfaced yet, um, I, I looked at that and I thought that's that's probably got some legs. You know, that's probably 
a pretty accurate story. I don't know if somebody knows that or if they've decided to to sort of go out on a limb. As journalists do, we've talked about this before, uh, sometimes they do guess things based on sort of the, the things around them. And when it's right, they're a genius. And when it's wrong, they haven't got a clue. You know how it goes. Uh, but obviously earlier today, uh, Mohammed Elneny posted a video on uh, social media, which I'm going to share with you guys now for those of you watching us. Um, we're not going to play it with the sound, obviously, but Mohammed Elneny uh, is on the exercise bike, uh, working hard, and he's put this video out into the ether. William Saliba on the exercise bike alongside him. What does that mean, Dan? What does that mean? <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Um, I saw on Sky Sports News that this had come out. Why would Elneny be doing that if Saliba wasn't going to play again this season? Um, the rumour I saw was that they're going to go and tr and risk him, risk further injury to him. He doesn't want to have potential surgery on his back, which what a lot of people were suggesting that he's had, were needing, um, which is obviously some form of protocol surgery. I imagine it's not pain surgery. And they're going to try and risk him and get him through. But even looking at that, I'll be amazed if he plays Friday or against City because um, he's on an exercise bike. He's not doing any any work with a ball, I, I don't believe, unless, of course, that's what they're doing after this. But I suppose it's good news, and I hope that it gives us a lift because there's two ways to look at this, isn't there? Everyone will think he's back, he's back, but is he? And if he's not back, why, are these, why is Elneny showing us that? So there'll be a lot of positives and negatives from this one, I believe. But... Um, I hope it's good news, man, because we need him back big time for me. Yeah, badly, badly. We really need him back. I mean, I find it hard to believe. Like, So obviously doing the job that I do now, I know how it all works, right? I I've seen it. I've seen how the club will allow certain things to go out and will will stop certain things going out. I understand how strict their sort of social media policy is, if you like. And I understand that, you know, what the players post is, is also under immense scrutiny. So... I find it hard to believe that Mohamed Elneny would put this up if Arsenal didn't want this out. Um, you know, it, it does feel like a bit of, as someone said in the chat, positive propaganda uh, ahead of Friday night's game and, and ahead of that trip to Manchester City because we do need a lift. We do need uh, everybody to kind of put what happened at Anfield and then at West Ham behind them and just focus on the future now. That's what's important. And um, just to see him sort of doing that work, I mean, what I also know is that sort of um, that's the first type of training you do when you're coming back from an injury, right? It's easier on the joints, et cetera, et cetera. So you wouldn't be on the grass necessarily, but the exercise bike would be the first port of call. So it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be back tomorrow or, or back on Friday, but it's encouraging because we haven't seen anything of this nature up until now. I mean, Dan, there's been a lot of talk about this, uh, this back problem and, and the fact that it's something that, Arsenal are having to manage day by day, I think is what Sammy Mockbell put out earlier on. In fact, I'll share uh, that article as well. Uh, one over on the Daily Mail. Let me just uh, read the headline here. Uh, so William Saliba, I hate these ads on these websites, man. What are they doing? I've closed it and there's just a big bar saying closed by Google. Honestly, man, like these websites have become impossible to read. Um, Daily Mail says William Saliba is prepared to risk further aggregate aggravating his back injury to return for Arsenal's title running as the French defender races to be fit for the Gunners' huge game at Manchester City. 
William Saliba's been out of action for a month after injuring his back. Arsenal have been cautious with his recovery, but have missed the Frenchman. And he's willing to take a risk to get back on the pitch for his side's title running. Difficult to know how much of a risk Arsenal are taking yeah, and whether the risk is worthwhile because we don't really understand the extent of the injury. But what does your gut tell you about Saliba? Is it we've just got to get him back for Friday under whatever circumstances? Friday, I mean, Wednesday, sorry. Yeah, that we need to get him back as soon as possible by whatever means. What I don't want to do is then allow him to be out for six months. But I don't think it's that type of injury. I think it will just put him back another couple of weeks if he was to tweak it again. Uh, from what I understand, it's a back injury. It's not like potential for him to do some serious long-term damage. But if that was the case, I I'd be amazed if Arteta would risk him. Um, I think it's one of those where he could probably get through a game. Um, and I'd, let's be honest, it doesn't it doesn't feel Rob Oldham of any confidence, does it? When you know we're trying to rush this guy back to cry and get him into the side. Um, but I think we're going to have to trust the fitness team, the staff, Arteta on this one, because we don't know as fans how badly injured this guy is. Um, it didn't look bad when he came off. I can't lie. It looked like he had a back spasm or something when he came on against Sporting. But for me, I think what people have been sleeping on is how much of a big, big miss Tommy Asu has been. Because Tommy Asu comes in and Ben White can go back to playing um, right centre-back. Or to be fair, Tommy Asu can play centre-back if he, he really had to. Um, so he's been a big miss as well. It's just unfortunate that both of them have been out for the same period of time. But I'd love to see him back, man. I really do. I, I think that everything around him looks so much better. Our whole team, Thomas Party, Ben White, Gabriel, all starts to look so much better. Our defensive unit. Um, and I think since he's been out, it's been clear to see that there's a huge drop-off. Um, and I'll be amazed if we don't look to try and strengthen in the summer for that position because um, it's been a, a real miss for me. And we've been incredibly unfortunate in that we've lost uh, Tommy Asu as well because had Tommy Asu been fit, there would have been a much better option for Mikel. He could have put Ben White back inside, who obviously played as the centre-back alongside Gabriel last season and did really well, or he could put Tommy Asu inside, who's played as centre-back uh, for most of his career. So it just feels like everything's gone wrong at the same time mm. with this. I, I do think we have the same level of cover probably that we have on the left side. We're just unlucky with the way it's yeah. all unfolded and, and Tommy Asu picking up that problem. Um, yeah. Fingers crossed he's back. I mean, if, if he's back for Friday, that'd be amazing just to maybe get 20, 25 minutes under his belt mm. going into that Man City game. So he's not coming in completely cold, but even if he is coming in cold for me, it's still a better option than Rob Holding. I really do believe that. Because, And again, it's not because I don't like Rob Holding. I, I, I said years ago that he's not at the level we need. But this mm. is more a stylistic thing for me. This is about having a centre-back in there that doesn't play the way that you want to play. And the fact that we have to change so much to facilitate and accommodate him has caused us problems, I think, defensively and, and made us far less controlling of games. Um, in terms of sort of being able to squeeze up and, and force people into their own half and not let them out. You know, you, when you squeeze people up, if your opponent decides to drop a long ball over the top, William Saliba and Gabriel are fine with that because they know they can turn, get their sprint on and get back. Rob Holding is always reluctant, isn't he? But that's because of his limitations to play exactly the same way. Kenny AFC says the Rob Holding agenda is back. Uh, Listen, uh, I mean, you're going to get that, some. Man. For someone who's been labelled as, what is it called? Toxic positive? What was it? Toxic positivity? That's yeah, toxic I positivity. Get. Yeah, so. I get toxic negative, mate. I don't get positivity. <laughs> there you go. That's why we get on so well. Opposites. Yeah, that's it, spectrum. man. Opposites. 
<laughs> um, right. We're going to take another very, very short pause. And then uh, we're going to talk about Mascot Gate because that has been dominating social media today. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast with myself, Harry Simu, and the brilliant Dan Potts uh, from Football's 12th Man podcast. Uh, Dan, plug it away now. Do it now in case I forget at the end. Uh, where can people find Mate, you? That's fine, bro. Thank you. Um, yeah, at Dan Arsenal 87 if you want to come follow me. Um, and uh, please come and uh, subscribe, man, to the channel at Football's 12th Man podcast got a show tonight at 10 p.m which is the race for europe show which has got everybody on it um talking all football over the weekend and it's not just arsenal content it's all football content um in a similar format to like the big six and top six and all those kind of stuff but uh yeah man come over follow the guys as well they're great bunch you'll all know them they're all influencers from all over their usual uh premier league content so if you can do that that'd be great we've hit 8k now so if we can get towards 10 that'd be amazing so thank you very much harry Make sure you do it. The link is in the title of this video, so you'll be able to click on it um, and it will take you straight to that channel. Uh, so you can subscribe there. Uh, right. Let's talk then about uh, this. Uh, this. I don't know what the right word is here. I know what to call uh, it. Is it really news? I mean, it, it's not news. It, it's a load of nonsense, really. The reason I'm talking about it is because I want to say what a bloody disgrace yeah. it is that people have gone so ridiculous and so big on this uh so basically to give you guys some context i'm sure you've all seen this video going around um so you you can see it here uh the arsenal players arriving um to be greeted by a, a young lady mascot and uh the arsenal players are signing the shirt uh that her and her father are holding out uh for the players to uh to obviously you know put their autographs on and the big uproar and the big problem with this video, apparently, is that the Arsenal players don't seem to be giving her the time of day. Um, you know, there isn't enough smiles and there isn't enough eye contact, according to uh, those that have been critical of this video. And believe me, there have been a lot of critics. I've even seen Arsenal fans going mad about this, and I don't really get it. What we've seen since this video's release is the father of the young girl putting out a tweet saying, actually no like she had a great time she got to meet all the players and then there was a video that emerged of what happened in the tunnel a little bit later on where uh the players obviously went and greeted not just the arsenal mascots but the west ham mascots uh that are charged by the way for the privilege of being mascots every week arsenal don't charge anybody for that and um and yeah it's just been it's just been crazy the reaction's been nuts and i think this is a this is a bit of a slip up, I think, from Arsenal in terms of their social media team, because this has been edited in a way that probably makes it look worse than it is. But I mean, Dan, what have you made of all of this? I don't get it. It's nonsense, isn't it? I mean, I, I saw it on TalkSport earlier. Someone was talking about it. And um, I mean, look at that poor little girl. She's crying. She's so upset. She's distraught. She's got the biggest um, grin I don't on her get face it. I've I ever don't seen. get it, man. She's smiling. She's happy. She's with her dad. She's getting to meet all the players. They're all signing an autograph on her shirt, which she gets to keep. Um, perhaps they need to pick her up and spin around and do some, you know, happy clappies with her or something. I don't get it. I, I just don't understand it. I think it's something else to pile on Arsenal at the moment. Everyone hates the fact we're doing well, and it's just something else to make us um, to make us relevant to try and uh, to try and pile in on us. Really, I don't quite get it. I, I don't see what their players have done there that's so horrific. Um, perhaps they could have said, how you doing? I mean, I can see Ben White, Saka and one more who I missed all saying something to the dad and the girl. So I don't really understand what the huge issue is. 
Um, they're running out of material, Harry, today. It must be a, a, a poor, lazy journalism, do they call it, <laughs> where you can't be asked to look for something to talk about. Um, that's what it looks like to me, mate. I call it a slow news day when there's nothing to write about, nothing to talk about. you got to find something. And it, it was one of those things, I think, where somebody higher profile, I think Nick Knowles was one of the first people to make a big deal out of it on social media. Not that what, he has what, any what does he know about football? football then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but ever since then, it just felt like people were piling on and on and on. Look, I agree that if you look at that video in isolation, you could say that it is a little bit not, cold is not the right word, but there isn't that much interaction between the players. And the, was and it the after the West Ham game? This so it was before the game. It was as the players the, were arriving before which, the West Ham game. Yeah, so so players they're, like, they're focused bubble. on the game, aren't they? Exactly. Like, I mean, like, I just don't get it, man. Listen, exactly. maybe we're supposed to go. Well, that's disgrace. I hope they all get fined for that. It's awful. I don't know what what do they what do they expect us to do these people then what what's the action next then do you know what I mean like what are we supposed to what's supposed to happen what are these talk sport and radio stations expecting the the punishment to be if there should be one I don't I just don't get it I don't understand what was so bad you know if this girl had been slapped or there was a Ronaldo incident where the phone had gone down I understand why that makes the news because obviously yeah. it's something that is really bang out of order but. They're actually signing a autograph for her on, on her shirt. She's smiling. She's with her dad. She'll remember the moment forever. The dad's come out and said, what a great day it was. Just move on, man. It's not even, how's it even made the news? I don't get it. Yeah. And I, and I know someone as well who, um, whose son was, um, was recently a mascot at Arsenal and, and they've spoken about what an amazing experience it was. What a wonderful, uh, sort of day it was. I think look, the, the video has been edited down and, I think that the way it's been edited makes it look a little bit worse than it is. Still not enough for people to be going off on it, but I think it, it makes it look a little bit worse. And so what I would say to people that did take it the wrong way have now seen more and are going, oh, well, actually, you know, it wasn't that bad. Haven't you learned yet that a, a short clip on social media very rarely tells the full story? And that can be in anything, right? That can be in things like this. That can be when you or I are on a podcast and someone makes a short clip without any context about what we've said and, and puts it out there and oh, people yeah, then jump the on time, it. Doesn't it. Happens yeah. all the time. Exactly. So mm. people should be clued up enough now in 2023 <laughs> to know that whatever you see in a short <laughs> clip on social media isn't always the full story. And also like and how, how many it? years have mascots been around when they come out the tunnel and yeah. someone doesn't look at them or smile at them or clap their hands, what, 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 shake their hands. We don't go mental, do we? We don't go mental about that. Do you know what I mean? Like the opposition yeah. might come past and just walk past them and forget to shake their hand, but no one loses their heads. Or one of the Arsenal fans might not smile at them or talk to them when they wave past. Who cares? No one talks about it. It doesn't make the news. But now, I wonder if Arsenal were in eighth right now, whether that would have made the news. That's a question for you. If yeah. Arsenal were in eighth position right now, would that have made the headlines? I doubt it would. It's Absolutely. very bizarre, man strange isn't it um don't forget to leave a like on the video guys we've, we've only got 56 likes on the board but there's way more of, come on, of you watching so come, come on, on let's get it up to 100 at least that should be the minimum uh let's take a few of the guys questions as well from the live chat so if you've got any questions any thoughts then please do uh drop them in the chat and we'll get through as many of those as we possibly can um we're going to be doing our preview show for the southampton game a little bit later on in the week but dan while we're waiting for a couple of questions to come in, how are you feeling about this one, mate? I mean, it is absolutely 100% a must win, isn't it? 
they all are now, mate. Yeah, they all are. Uh, the only one that we don't have to win is obviously the Manchester City one. A lot of people think we do have to, and it'd be nice to, but we don't have to. We just have to draw it and win the rest. Um, if we win it, it gives us another chance, of course, to potentially slip up. But I don't want to be slipping up at all now. We need a perfect record. We've got seven games left. And this one is definitely not a slip up. I mean, if you can't beat Southampton at home, you don't deserve to win the title, as far as I'm concerned. Um, anything can happen in football. And you can go to 10 men or you can have an injury or you can lapse of concentration. You're 2-0 down before you know it. anything can happen in the Premier League. But um, when you're going for a title, you need focus, you need concentration for every single part of this. And Arsenal needs to be perfect now to win the title. Because if we win all of our games, Man City can win 10-0 on every single game and they can't do anything about it. We'll win the league. So I think there will be um, a massive reaction on Friday night and I'm confident that we'll see a convincing win. I was really impressed, actually. Tom Cannon, big up Tom, um, friend of the show and friend of ours, uh, talking to Chaka. And I liked, really liked the response in relation to we're going to prove to you on Friday that this this means a lot to us and we're going to bounce back. And I believed it when he said it. I hope that he's right. Um, actions speak louder than words. And I hope that they can prove on Friday that they mean what they say. Because for me, mate, I really could not think of anything better than to convincingly beat Southampton and put three or four past them um, and go into that Manchester City game bringing the confidence again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, completely agree with you, mate. And yeah, check out um, Tom's preview show. I think he ran that clip uh, of the conversation he had with Granit Xhaka uh, after the game uh, in his uh, live. Well, I don't think it was live, but in his show that he put out this morning. Uh, so make sure you go and check that out um, because, yeah. OK, uh, let's see uh, what else we've got in the comments. Let's start heading over there uh as we head towards the end of the show uh kyle says who would you want arsenal to sign as a backup center back or a squad rotation player i mean have you got any names off the top of your head dan i haven't really thought of this far ahead i kind of said to myself in january when the window shut no more transfer talk this is what we've got this is what we have let's focus on that between now and the end of the season in terms of of a, another right centre back, do we need one, or, or are we just incredibly unfortunate that Tommy Asu's out now, and that's obviously compounded the problems? I think we do need one because Rob Holding needs an upgrading. Um, at the same time, there is an opportunity for us to play Ben White there, but Tommy Asu is made of sand. He's not made of glass. He's made of sand. Um, it's crazy. I've never known Isn't a player glass in... made of sand. Yeah, it is, but glass is stronger <laughs> than sand, isn't it? That was my point. Sand castle as opposed to a, a glass a glass <laughs> bottle. Um, I honestly believe this player has got so much talent. I really like him, Tommy Asu. He's one of my favourites um, when he's playing. Um, but unfortunately, mate, he can't keep fit. And it's long-term injuries as well. It's not like he gets a knock for a couple of weeks. He seems to have some problems long-term. Um, in terms of names, I really like Evan Indica, but he's more of a left-sided centre-back and he's going to be a free in the summer. Um, so I'll be amazed if we go for another left-sided centre-back after signing Kivior and already having Gabriel. Can two left-sided centre-backs play together? Yeah, they can. But Mikel Arteta doesn't really like that. He likes to have one natural right-footed player and one left natural uh, left-footed player, which actually has worked for him quite well. Um, that's the only name that I look at that we could potentially be linked with. Any of the others in the Premier League are quite like Premier League proven players, but I don't look at anybody at the moment that would be happy to come and sit on the bench at Arsenal that's performing well. Um, so unless anybody in the chat can throw any names at me, then uh, I'm going to say that, I haven't really got anybody that's um, I've thought of, but again, I haven't really looked at it and thought about it, to be honest, because I'm still too too tied up into what's happening currently. 
Yeah, that's that's content for the summer, isn't it? Um, it, it really is. Uh, thank you, Carl, though, for your question. Uh, Sko says, do either of you guys find the term bottle being used all the time towards this young team to be distasteful at all? I, I honestly couldn't care what everyone else thinks. <laughs> I honestly couldn't care, man. If they want to call it bottle, then go for it. If that's what you want, if that's what you, if that's what makes you sleep better at night, say that we've bottled the title. Eight points clear and we've bottled it. There you go. If that's right, that's right. So who cares? Like, who cares what people think? We've gone into a title race. I didn't expect to get one. I'm going to be really pissed. I'm going to be really disappointed. And I will throw my toys out the pram if we come second. But I'm not going to sit there and start saying that we need to start again. The Cronkies need to get the hell out. And Arteta and he might as well just go now. He bottles everything. He can't win us anything. We're not going to the top of this guy. Come second. If you think that's bottling, then that's fine. I think there's a difference. I think if you were to say, let's say we're going up against, um, let's pick a team in the Premier League. Let's pick West Ham, seeing as we've just drew to them. If we're eight points clear of West Ham and we end up losing the title to West Ham, I would suggest that we've bottled it. But when you're going up against one of the best teams I've seen in the last four years, one of the best teams that I think the Premier League's ever seen, with the best manager, with the best record-breaking striker, if you throw the league away to that and you've bottled it, then sleep well at night if you want to call it that. But I would not call it that we've bottled it. I think we're going up against a very, very good side and it's dog v dog. And one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. Yeah. And and the, the other thing I don't get is that when Liverpool were amassing ridiculous points totals, but not winning the Premier League because they were up against this incredible Man City side, nobody was saying Liverpool bottled it. People were, were praising how well Manchester City had done and and the fact that Manchester City could go on these 12, 13, 14 game winning runs without any issues and actually talking about how well Liverpool had done to to keep in the race and to, to keep pace with them. So I don't get why for us that's different. If Arsenal amass over 90 points, which they probably will, they should, looking at you know the games they got left, you'd have to say that that is an incredible jump up from where we were last season. To call it, you know, you could be Mikel Arteta's biggest critic. And I know at times, you know, we've both been critical of Mikel Arteta. But you you can't, you wouldn't be able to deny that the progress this season has been unbelievable. Absolutely. Arsenal finished on 69 points last season. <laughs> 69 points. And they're on 74 with seven games to go. And do you know what, Harry? What makes me laugh is when you say, so they'll say, is this a bit of success or a failure? Well, it's... It's a bit of a different question to has it been a good season because it hasn't been a successful season because we haven't been able to do that at the end of it, right? But it still hasn't been a shocking season. People can still say Arsenal have had a really good season. They've just missed out. Okay, they haven't won anything. But actually, they've had a good season. It's respectful. It's massive progress from last season. And they'll go again once they build again in the summer. That's the way to look at it. But there will be neutral fans that will go, go on, hey, bottled it, go on. Make them say they've bottled it. Okay, we've bottled it. Right, can we move on now? Brilliant, cheers. I don't care. I really didn't care. I couldn't give a damn what they think. Have some self-awareness, right? You're a Chelsea fan. You can't even get to the top half after spending 600 million. You're a West Ham fan. You've got 2-2. You're celebrating it like a win and you're still in a relegation fight. You're a Spurs fan. Absolute circus of a club that is hilariously funny that bottle every single season. So don't come at me and say that we bottled a title, but do if you feel like it's going to make you sleep better at night. That's what I'd say to him, man. It's embarrassing. Uh, Steve Stone says... It is said that Saka looks leggy. Is that a concern, given we're only playing one game a week at the moment? See, the thing is up with this one, Harry, right? And I agree with the last statement. And big up Steve, by the way. I think when 
you look at what Saka is doing right now, one game a week, people are scratching their heads going, why is he so leggy? People have forgotten how much football this guy's played this season for club and country. Pretty much every minute for England, every minute that he has been fit for Arsenal. I don't think we can sit there and be too surprised that a young kid of 21 years old looks a little bit knackered towards the end of a couple of the games. Trust me, he'll be fine because we well, should be if he's managed well properly. I've got no doubt that he'll come back just as way as he has. A few games ago, he was looking a bit leggy as well. Footballers get tired, man. Yeah. It's the way it happens. I don't think it's a massive concern in terms of Saka, but it is a concern for how leggy majority of us looked. Martin Nelly, I can put into that as well. Thomas Partey didn't quite look himself. There was a few players. So that would concern me as a team. It doesn't concern me from Saka because he's played a lot of football. And I, I don't know if you agree with that, but I do think he has played a lot of football this year. Yeah, I'm I'm not looking at Bukayo Saka and thinking this is a, a major concern. I, I agree that he's dropped off in the last couple of games. I, I agree with you when you said earlier on that he probably should have been taken off. Uh, and one of the things I sort of said in my post-match podcast was that I felt Mikel Arteta maybe didn't want to take him off because he'd missed the penalty and didn't want to be seen to be almost punishing him for missing that penalty. That Now, that's not necessarily the right decision, in my opinion. I, I believe he should have come off. But I think that might have been something that was playing on Mikel Arteta's mind and might have contributed to him leaving him on the pitch in the end. But I, I guess we'll never really know. Uh, we're just going to take a couple more because we are running out of time. Uh, let's take this one from Leeds Gunner, who says, Saliba coming back is more important than Jesus being back. Discuss. Mm. This is interesting. I agree. I agree. Um, the first thing to say in this question is to big up Trossard and Eddie Nketiah because we didn't miss Jesus like everybody thought we were going to. But it was quite evident as soon as Saliba come out of this side that we looked a little bit of a different Arsenal. Because if you remember the games that we've played without Jesus, it wasn't three or four games. It was three or four months. And I know that there was a World Cup that we come back from from that, but it was actually the World Cup that he got injured, not after that. So we had to play. Um, majority of games without him. And Eddie Nketiah done a job. He scored good goals. He scored goals against Lee, uh, Brighton, against West Ham. He scored goals against Manchester United. And he did his job. Trossard's coming have been immense. I think it's been one of the signings of the, of the uh, January transfer window and one of the best signings that Arsenal have made in a January transfer window, in my opinion. But we need him back and he's now come back. Saliba, <laughs> we need him back like now after the two games he's missed. So, or three games he's missed, sorry. So that says to me that it's much more important that we get him back than Jesus coming back. And like I've said to you, Harry, I think it affects more positions than just centre-back when Saliba's out. When Jesus is out, it just affects the number nine. So that's the way I see it, man. Yeah, it, for me, it comes down to the fact that we've got better cover for Jesus than we have um, for Rob Holding. Although, you have to say, Jesus's reintroduction to the side is... Spread so many goals, isn't it? We just—I know that we—we're not defending very well when we're we're throwing leads away at the minute. But in terms of the way we're starting games and the way Jesus is impacting them when he's at sort of top energy at the start of a game is is unbelievable. It's brilliant to see. Mm. It's really good. Um, final question. I'll take this one from He. Um, and this is an interesting question. I, I feel like we'll we'll do this one, but I feel like we could probably do a whole nother show on this. Do we need a proper right back? Because if we did have one, Ben White would be playing over Rob Holding beside Gabriel at the moment. Is it fair to say that although from the outside we look at Ben White and we go centre-back playing at right-back doing a really good job, 
is it fair to say that Mikel Arteta sees Ben White as a right back? He doesn't see him as someone who's filling in. He sees him as the option right now. Yeah, um, we have another right back. Um, he's just always injured, Tommy Asu. And if he was fit, Ben White would be playing centre-back right now. You could say that we could upgrade on Cedric, who's obviously out on loan, and get another overlapping right back. Somebody like a Tariq Lamptey or Max Ahrens, who can come in and be more of an attacking right fullback. Um, All right, so question. question well, sorry to cut you. Question. If Cedric Suarez was still at Arsenal mm. and wasn't out on loan, would you prefer to have Ben White at centre-back now and Cedric at right-back? Or do you prefer to have White at right-back and holding inside of him? It's a really good question, man. I've got a coin here, and that is what I could do. I'd ha- <laughs> Heads is holding and tails is Cedric. They're both uh, error-prone, aren't they? It's hard because... Um, Ben White last season at centre-back, um, the jury was out at games for me. It was. I didn't think he was outstanding. This season, he's been more than outstanding at right-back. So I think I'm probably going to say that I'd rather keep it as it is. Cedric, for me, is OK going forward. He can cross the ball, but defensively, he's quite a worry. Um, but saying that, maybe Lamptey and uh, Max Aarons aren't the guys. They're just two names that have just come on the top of my head. But I'm, I'm just thinking that you're either going to need in the summer for me anyway to buy a right centre-back or a right-back. And if you feel like Tommy Asher and Ben White are your right-backs, you're going to have to get a centre-back. If you feel like right-back for Ben White is just in case we do need to bring him in the middle, then go and buy another right-back. So that's the way I see it. Um, you can't rely on Tommy Asher again. A little bit like last season when we were relying on Kieran Tierney and Nuno Tavares. I think he bought Zinchenko. I think he might do similarly in the summer and say, do you know what? Tommy can play centre-back and left-back. I'm going to buy another right-back. We'll have to see. But it's an interesting question, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably do another whole show on it. Uh, the right back question. Uh, thank you so much for that one, mate. Uh, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Really, really do appreciate it. Thank you, Dan, uh, for your time as well, mate. Uh, let people know uh, once again how they can check out your podcast and what you got coming up. Cheers, Harry. Top man. Thanks for having me on. Make sure you smash a like on this one first, guys, and subscribe if you're new and get um, Harry up to where he deserves to be. Uh, if you do want to come follow me, you can do on socials at DanArsenal87. If you want to come and follow my content, you'll see me on Lee Judges TV and AFTV, but also on my own channel, which is football content, not just Arsenal. Football's 12th Man podcast. We're going to be on a show tonight at 10pm with West Ham, Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool, Newcastle, Arsenal um, and Spurs uh, chat. So make sure you come over uh, and give us a subscribe, please. Thank you. Good stuff, uh, guys. Uh, we will see you all tomorrow with another episode Uh, of the podcast Uh, until then take care of yourselves stay safe and uh, focus on Friday now is William Saliba back we'll find Hmm. out very soon I'm sure until next time goodbye I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon